investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Thank you for joining me for episode three of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Um, today, I wanted to have a look at the dynamics of an auction and how best to understand them. Victoria, this weekend, is preparing for one of its biggest auction weekends on record. So that's the 27th and 28th of March. Uh, we're recording this podcast the week of the 22nd. Um, and the REIV is reporting that there'll be around 2,170 auctions, which is just huge, particularly for this time of the year. Uh, so there's obviously going to be some fairly intensifying demand around, and that leads very much to, to anxious bidders um, in a market like that. And it is obviously an auction uh, is a very intense environment, and your fortunes can change very, very quickly. So being uh, prepared and understanding the dynamics of how the, the auction process plays out is really important because you'd be making, in some circumstances, the biggest investment decision of your lifetime. So you really do need to um, be prepared um, and understand what's going on that day. So what I thought we'd do today um, is have a look at um, the different stages of the auction process. Um, and I can point out to you some intricacies and certainly some tricks and quirks that agents use to try and get the upper hand. So what we'll do is once you've identified your property, um, we'll go through this process. So you've gone out, you've done your inspections, perhaps had family um, through or friends to, uh, to confirm that it is what you're, you've been after. Uh, and then you get to the pre-auction process. So the first thing to do is, is really to request a copy of the contract um, and the section 32. Let the agent know that you're interested in the property. Now that doesn't mean that you need to go out and, um, and tell them exactly what your price and things is, but you need to let them know because we'll get to this a little bit further on. If there is a pre-auction offer made and the property is to be sold beforehand and you haven't uh, shown interest uh, with the property, then the auctioneer may not let you know about any pre-auction offers uh, and then you can be left high and dry. So let them know that you are interested. Uh, you need to go away and confirm, uh, with particularly with your financier, that you uh, that everything's in order, but also that you are able to bid at auction because um, there, there'll be certain circumstances from a finance point of view where um, your broker or person at the bank may say, well, yes, you can, you can purchase a property, um, but am I qualified to bid at auction? So has my um, pre-approval been confirmed, uh, which means that uh, I'm in a position to be able to go to the auction and stick my hand up with confidence. Um, get the contract that you have requested once the finance is confirmed, checked by a conveyancer or solicitor prior to sorry the, uh, the auction, just to make sure that there's nothing unusual or onerous within that document. If there is, uh, I typically prefer to have the, the uh, conveyancer or the auction, the solicitor, sorry, speak to the um, the vendors legal representative just to make sure it makes sure that there's no lost in translation um, and it can get a little bit complicated if you've got to go back through the agent yourself who then goes to the the vendor who then goes to the solicitor let the two uh, legal minds talk directly to one another and they can agree what's acceptable and what's not um, depending upon the type of property uh, a building inspection uh, and coordinate that prior to the auction you can obviously use that to your advantage too when you get to a point of um, of buying the property. If you are having to negotiate after an auction, you can certainly use the inspection that you've done to point out some of the works that are required. And it doesn't matter how new or old a property is, as chances are there's going to be something that will need to be done to it. Um, so certainly use that to your advantage. I, I'm still 
um, stunned quite regularly how many people buy property without getting building inspections done. Now, obviously, apartments and things like that are not always necessary, but certainly some of the uh, the period style homes around Melbourne, um, it's a uh, it's a huge investment. Some of these properties are well over a hundred years old, um, and spending somewhere between five and seven hundred dollars on a building inspection um, should just give peace of mind. So once you've done all those preliminary checks, I think um, you then look to uh, to the value side of things. And this is really important at the moment. And we talk quite regularly with our clients about technical value and market sentiment um, and, and assessing both of those when looking at, at, uh, at property value. So the technical value relies heavily on the comparable sales that have occurred within the marketplace um, as recently as possible, um, but generally over the last three to six months is what you would um, be hoping to, uh, to review. And technical value relies on on proven sales that have occurred um, to give you an idea of where you think uh, property might sit. So it might suggest that a um, that a, a value of a property might sit somewhere between six hundred and six fifty thousand dollars. But what it doesn't take into account is the market sentiment, um, and particularly at the moment when we're in a rising market, and um, it seems almost week after week that the sales that occurred. Um, two, three weeks earlier are now becoming irrelevant um, in terms of accurate reflections of what the market is doing. So you, you certainly need to look at that, but you, you need to have an understanding of what which way the market is heading. And it, and it works both, both ways. So when you're in a falling market, market sentiment can be quite negative and comparable sales that, that may have occurred um, two, three, four months ago may be giving a, um, a false sense of um, higher values of a property too. So look at the market sentiment of a property, of the market, sorry, at a particular time to really give you confidence um, that of where you need to be. And that may be that there actually hasn't been many sales of similar type properties. And as a result, that means that um, there's every chance that there'll be people coming out of the woodwork trying to secure the property that you're looking at. Uh, once you've, you're comfortable with where values sit, um, and you should be using the building inspection to help assess with that value as well, uh, particularly if there's some fairly major works that need to be done, you might need to make some adjustments to where, you, where the value assessment is. Um, next step is to go and negotiate terms with the agent. So that's things like the deposit um, that you want to pay, the settlement, um, any special conditions you may want altered or inserted into the contract. Um, and then the thing to bear in mind here is that it's not always about um, having those approved. Sometimes just requesting some of those settlement terms can give you an indication as to the interest levels that an auctioneer or an agent may have on that property. So if they're fairly dismissive um, of slightly different terms, then it probably gives you a fairly good indication that they're, uh, they've either got a very tough vendor or they're, um, they've got good interest and good depth to their, um, to their buyers, and so they probably don't necessarily need to um, allow too many changes from a, uh, a terms perspective. But most agents are going to want as many buyers at an auction as possible. So feel um, free to, to push fairly hard and, and try and, and really get that, those settlement terms through if you can. So whether that's an extended settlement period um, or whether it's uh, a slightly smaller deposit um, or special conditions added to the contract. If, you, if they're really important to you, push hard because the agent will be trying to get them through for you. Now, 
The other thing which I mentioned earlier is being prepared for pre-auction offers, uh, particularly at the moment. Um, in a rising market, buyers do get nervous and get frustrated, particularly if they've missed out on two or three properties before. Um, and the old FOMO, fear of missing out, kicks into play. And so buyers start to look at, well, if I've missed three beforehand, I'm going to try and catch others off guard and put something in early. Um, but before that gets before it gets to that point, or if someone else wants to do that, just make sure um, before you get involved, and I'm not saying don't, I'm just saying before you actually do get involved in putting an offer forward, clarify with the agent or auctioneer um, the process of how these offers will be handled um, so that you know whether or not you're going to get second or third opportunities, whether it's going to be a boardroom auction. And so you can put your strategy in place around how you're going to offer, whether or not it's going to be one crack and you have to go fairly hard, or whether there'll be second and third options so you can perhaps start at a slightly lower level. But always ask the, the agent in the lead up to, um, to an auction um, a lot of questions. Um, but don't rely on the agent. So when they when you ask the question of how the, how has the campaign been going? Oh, we've got good interest. It's uh, it's been ticking along quite well. I think we've got interest in the within the quote range. Well, no buyer is unless they've bid on a property with this agent in the past is going to tell an agent what their limit is and how much they're prepared to pay on it. Um, so an agent's not going to be able to disclose that to you as well. Most of the time, they, they don't know where the figure's going to get to. They might have an inclination, but they don't necessarily know where it will be. So you can ask a lot of questions, but just don't rely on taking their word for it. Okay, so let's get on to the actual auction day and have a look at and have a discussion around that. The thing to bear in mind here is that every auction is different. Um, you've got a different property, you've got a different auctioneer, you've got a different vendor, there'll be different bidders that you'll be competing against, and most likely different market conditions. So it's you should never assume that the auction that you're attending is going to be like the one that you attended the week before or the week before that. Make sure you do your preparation and get as much information as we said before, before the auction. On the day of the auction, give yourself as much time as you can. So don't turn up just two minutes before the auction uh, because that will just increase the, the level of nerves that you'll be experiencing. Um, but probably don't get there um, hours beforehand either because that will um, that will give you too much time to think. So if you arrive at the start of the uh, the open for inspection that's usually, open, um, that's usually in operation prior to the uh, auction starting, half an hour beforehand, gives you time to have a wander through and then position yourself out the front so you can um, watch the crowd come and go and, and see who's there. Um, the good One other good thing that I, I like people to do um, if they are bidding at an auction is try and see if you can watch the auctioneer at another property before attending your auction um, so that you can see how they work because as with every property being different every auction is different they have their own little idiosyncrasies and, and ideas and, and ways and means of of dealing with bidders and dealing with auctions and so understanding how they will work is really important so things like um, how much time will they give you to bid um, some will be very quick and be quite pushy and, and first, second, third very quickly without um, giving you much of an opportunity. Um, will they allow you to break down the bidding? Now, this may be dependent to a certain extent on the vendor and the vendor's expectations around where the um, where the auction's sitting and are we is the bidding still a fair way away from the vendor's reserve? But some auctioneers can be very um, stern and, and very fixed on what their expectations are around bidding increments. So having an understanding of, of that auctioneer's um, way of receiving bids is, is very helpful. Uh, now, do they like to have a half-time break? Some are insistent that they will 
have to have an, a half-time break before they will declare a property on the market. So you could be well and truly above the quote range and um, the property still hasn't been declared. So understand that because you, you may start to get yourself nervous when you don't realise that that's what this auctioneer does. Others may not have a half-time break at all. They may have a very clear understanding of what their vendor's reserve is. As soon as it hits it, the property's on the market and off you go. So it's, a, it's good and very helpful to, uh, to understand how each auctioneer will work um, once, once that, um, that campaign progresses. Um, and then how much time are they likely to give you before they'll knock the property down and say, okay, first, second, third, selling, selling, sold. Some will be very quick. Some will string it out for what feels like minutes, if not hours, because they, they're trying to extract every last dollar out of, um, of the competing parties. But getting that feel, how they're positioning themselves um, to, um, to knock the property down um, will certainly help you to understand when they are coming towards the end of, um, of the time frame that they'll give other people to bid. Once the auctioneer is ready to go, it's then important for you to position yourself um, so that you can clearly hear and see them, so that you know what they're uh, what they're doing and saying, but also so that they can clearly hear and see you. Um, the other important thing, though, is to be able to hear and see the rest of the crowd without having to turn your head significantly so that you know what they're doing. You can read their body language and see perhaps when they might be coming towards the end of their, um, their budget as well. So each auction is very different, um, as we said before. So now that the auction's commenced, um, people like to sometimes say, okay, well, how should I approach this auction? And again, I come back to the point that we mentioned before, every auction's different. So you can't really go to an auction and say, today I'm going to do this. Um, you need to be, I guess, a little reactive, see who you're bidding against and who your competition's likely to be. And one of the key examples of that is um, around first home buyers. Now they're obviously very nervous. They may be bidding on a property for the very first time or second or third time. Uh, and it's an extremely big decision for them as well. And so quite regularly, first home buyers um, won't, won't bid and they need the confirmation that others uh, like the property and are interested and to see someone else bidding before they're likely to commit themselves. Some first home buyers, however, are nervous and so want to make sure that they're heard and they don't get left behind. So they put the first bid in as soon as the auctioneer calls for it. Um, but then you might come against uh, more experienced people, perhaps downsizers who perhaps bought two or three properties, helped children buy before, um, and, and certainly know how to um, bid with authority. So being able to move um, your thought processes, not get locked in, um, and you might even need to start the bidding and then drop out and let others fight, fight it out for a period of time and then come back in. But have a bit of flexibility around that to make sure that um, you're you're not getting pigeonholed into one one way or another. Now, some of the tactics that you need to be aware of from an agent's perspective, starting around vendor bids, um, particularly in circ circumstances where there's multiple vendor bids, it can give you the indication that of the, the level of interest that the auctioneer may be expecting or experiencing. So for example, a high vendor bid within a quote range um, when there hasn't been any genuine bidding may give you an example, uh, an indication that there's um, there's limited interest in the property, and so the agent's auctioneer, sorry, is wanting to start the um, the negotiation from a higher base because they're perhaps expecting only you to be the bidder, and so if they start you from a higher base, um, you may not have a lot of competition. On the flip side of that, if they start at a lower level, perhaps even below the quote, they may have um, a couple of nervous bidders, younger first home buyers, and so they're encouraging them, wanting them to get involved early, 
um, so that um, they're feeling comfortable and that the bidding doesn't isn't getting beyond them too quickly. It's generally pretty standard from a vendor bid perspective that it'll be around the bottom of the quote if the auctioneer has to start the campaign because no one else is, is wanting to get involved. Um, now, you'll quite regularly see also that um, more junior agents or other agents who aren't the auctioneer within the campaign um, spreading themselves amongst the crowd. Now, this can be a bit of a telltale sign as to who's actually going to be bidding because those agents will know um, from the campaign uh, who, is, who has expressed interest uh, and at what level. Now, they'll be going out having discussions, hoping to coax these people to bid. Um, and it can be quite intimidating because they can be quite strong in their encouragement to um, to bid and large bids and come on, get involved. And they may even encourage you um, to open the bidding um, and don't think for a minute that they're not doing, that other colleagues aren't doing the same thing. So there's um, there can quite often be people fighting to be heard and that might give them misrepresentation that there's actually more people um, with higher levels of interest uh, than there actually are. And they do, they will be encouraging you to make uh, larger bids. And so you still should feel free to politely, obviously, but ask them to um, to give you some space um, that, that you're very comfortable doing what you're doing um, and, and, um, and move on from there. So you don't need to have uh, another agent from that company bidding on your behalf, and that's what it can become. So feel free to say, look, I'm quite comfortable doing the bidding. Thanks very much for the off offer, um, but I'd like to just concentrate myself. Now, the, one of the key things I think to, um, to remember when you are bidding is to actually state the figure. Don't just agree with the auctioneer. Um, an auctioneer will be encouraging you to make larger bids um, and they'll, they'll be wanting them to come through. So don't stand there and just nod your head and agree with him. Actually state the figure that you want to bid. So that might be $1,120,000 or 1.12 or even if, if it's been moving up in that, that, um, up to that level, you might just say 120, but don't just nod and agree with the auctioneer. It shows confidence that you know what you're doing and that you um, have every understanding of what the bidding process is. It shows authority to other bidders. But what it also, what the key thing that it does is it prevents confusion. We've seen plenty of times at auctions where um, bidders have, uh, have lost their place, the auctioneer has lost their place, bidders have bid against themselves, um, and have bid more than what they actually intended to or needed to because they haven't actually stated the figure that they were wanting to bid. Mix your bidding up. Um, that's really important too. Uh, and do it from an early stage. Don't um, Obviously, you can't necessarily cut the bidding down too early because an auctioneer won't accept your bids um, and they have every right to do that. But once, particularly once the property is declared on the market, don't feel as though you have to keep to those five, 10, 15, $20,000 increments. You can, you can move it around within those budgets. And also, once the bidding's cut back, it doesn't mean you can't increase it again. And that can be a really good tactic because it can show that you've got authority um, and that you, you're not, not just pulling backwards and, and, and making things smaller and smaller each time. Now, the one final thing that I wanted to mention, and it's not overly common at the moment, although there are still a number of properties that are passing in at present, but make sure that if a property is going to pass in and it's going to pass in within your budget, um, that it uh, is passing into you so that you have that exclusive right to negotiate. Uh, it's really important um, to, um, to put yourself in that position. Okay, so I've got my uh, story for this week um, to, um, to give you some practical examples of what we, uh, what we experience. 
So uh, it was a number of years ago now that I um, I attended an auction in of a little single fronted cottage on behalf of a client in Ascot Vale, um, little weatherboard place, two bedrooms, had a central lounge room, then bathroom, and then a nice open plan kitchen dining area at the back. Um, in a great street and really well presented, just a really nice, good feel home. This was for an investor client of mine. Um, the quote on this one at the time was six hundred and forty to seven hundred thousand dollars, and there'd been good interest in the campaign. The market wasn't flying at the time. I think the clearance rate at that stage was sitting around the the sixties, so generally an indication of a fairly balanced market. Um, now the auctioneer came out, as I said, the six forty to seven hundred quote. The auctioneer came out, called for an opening bid. Um, and as is quite regularly the case, there was not a lot of activity there, um, and it was quite quiet. The, the crowd would have been sort of 60 to 70 people, obviously your usual number of neighbours, but there was some uh, what appeared to be some genuine interest in the property. So without getting a bid, he decided to put in a vendor bid of $630,000 and then very quickly went up to six forty, dollars and then very quickly again to six fifty. dollars Now, he was clearly stating vendor bid, but the, it was also... Um, this auctioneer has a, um, a tendency to sound a little bit like a, um, a cattle salesman, cattle auctioneer in, uh, in regional Victoria. And um, so it was moving very quickly from that 630, 640, 650. And if you didn't know better and you weren't um, regularly involved with auctions, uh, and I did have someone say this to me after the auction, that it, it felt as though there was he was taking dummy bids. Now, he wasn't because he was stay, saying vendor bid, but because it was so quick, it was hard to understand that. Now, I had my client with me at this auction um, and he was standing next to me. And I said, said to him, I'm, I'm going to put a bid in just to try and figure out whether or not he's actually going to continue to put these vendor bids in or whether or not he's just wanting someone to um, to get involved. So I put in a bid at 660 fairly quickly after his 650, um, which he took, acknowledged, um, and then put another vendor bid in straight over the top of me at 670. Um, and I turned to my client and said, we're not bidding any further and unless there's someone else that puts in a genuine bid and he stops putting these vendor bids in. But no one else did and the uh, and the auction kept going and he kept putting more vendor bids in. I think in the end I counted seven or eight. So he ended up passing the property in at $700,000. Now, uh, they came over to us, <clears throat> excuse me, directly afterwards and said, um, well, uh, would you like to, um, to negotiate? And I said, well, what was the um, the idea behind the vendor bids? Oh, well, we're up at the vendor's expectations now. Um, and I said, okay, so the vendor's reserved 700. No, no, it's 720. And so I won't get into the, the um, minutiae of this because it, we're, we're here to talk about auctions, but um, I've sort of flown in the face here of, um, of what I said to you earlier about um, if the property passes in within your budget, make sure it passes into you. There's always an exception to the rule, and this was clearly that case because we didn't want to be bullied into that position to to be having the property passed into us at a higher level than we needed to. And it was the right decision because in the end, we ended up purchasing the property for 685000 which was um, well below the vendor's reserve, still well and truly within the range, which I was very, very happy about because at that time, things were still going along quite well in terms of a market. Um, and the reserve that had been declared, which was probably inflated, but was up at 720000 So we got it down to a more acceptable level. And since then, it's performed very well in terms of growth, which is great. But it's it's understanding that and not being bullied by the auctioneer into having to bid and then having more vendor bids put in to, to try and push you up to a higher starting base to make them negotiate from a from a higher from a higher level and put them in a stronger position. So that's why we held back on in that scenario. So played out quite well, and uh, we were very happy with the eventual purchase price on that one. 
So that's about it for this week's uh, edition of the podcast. Thanks very much for joining me for episode three. Feel free to share the podcast with uh, with friends and family as per usual. And if you'd like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions.